Well, good morning, church. Isn't it so good to worship? We were created for this. That's why it feels so good. And sometimes you sit there and think, why does that feel good? It's because this is what we were created for. You know, I heard a story about a, a young man who, in the 1930s, he was in Detroit, he was sitting in the back of the bus, and these, these three men get on the bus and they move their way back towards him. And they just started hurling insults at him, making fun of him. Oh, and they wouldn't let up. They just continued. He didn't say anything. He just held his ground, held his peace. And then they continued again. This time getting a little bit tougher with him and hurling the insults even more. And he still didn't say anything. And finally he got up, reached into his pocket, pulled out a card. And as he went to hand him the card, they realized this guy's a little bit bigger than we thought, you know. They get the card. He steps off the bus and walks away. They look at the card. It says, Joe Lewis, boxer. <laughs> if you don't know who Joe Lewis was, he was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world from 1937 to 1949. Uh, second behind him, according to the International Boxing Organization, was Muhammad Ali. He was that good. And on that day... This man of immense power and skill, capable of basically defending his honor with one single blow, he withheld. He chose to forgo his status. He chose to forgo his power. And he gently walked off that bus. That's power under control. That is gentleness. Which brings us to our final fruit of the Spirit as we wrap up our series on It's a Wonderful Life. We have been going through uh, the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and we've talked about all of them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and then today, gentleness. And, uh, you know, as we've looked at these, we've looked at basically the nine, nine attributes of God, nine gifts from God given to us, nine reflections of who God is and what he wants to do in us through his spirit. And today, as we, we look at gentleness, we sort of maybe ask that question, like, well, what is gentleness? I just gave you a story. Because really, if I, without that story, if I would say, we're going to talk about gentleness, some of you say, oh, isn't that like a cuddly teddy bear? That's so nice. That's so kind. That's sweet. Yeah, that's gentleness, but there's more to it. Um, this word actually comes from, from the Greek, krestates, which has a different meaning behind it. You might actually see, if you look and see gentleness, you might see it translated kindness. You might see it translated humility. But it was really the kindness of somebody who was maybe who in a ruling position, had people underneath them, and I'm, I'm going to show kindness to you. I don't have to. But I am going to show that to you. The Apostle Paul uses this same word in another book that he wrote, the book of Titus. Not many of us, like, Titus, where is that? It's, it's sort of towards the back of the Bible. We don't spend a lot of time in Titus, do we? It's a great book. Chapter 3, Paul uses this same word, chrysates, here for gentleness, but we see it translated kindness. Let's look at this scripture real quick. He says this, Once too, we were foolish and disobedient. We were misled. We became slaves to, to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy, 
and evil, and we hated each other. But look at verse 4. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness, there's that word. It's also translated gentleness in the book of Galatians. When he revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. See, God's powerful, right? But in his kindness, he says, I have power over you, and I can annihilate you. But I'm going to save you. I'm going to show you my gentleness, my kindness. And because this scripture is so rich and so good, let's look at the next couple verses because we can't leave this part off. Not because of the righteous things we've done. He's talking about being saved because there are people who believe if I do enough good things, I go to church and I do all these checkmark things, I get to go to heaven. No, that doesn't save you. God saves us through faith, right? Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy, God's mercy. Look what he does. He washes away our sins. He gives us new birth, and here it is, new life through the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about, that wonderful life. Verse 6 says, He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, getting what we don't deserve, he made us right. That's righteousness, being in the right position with God. He made us right in the sight of God and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So there it is. That kindness. God is so powerful and holy God that looks at us who are not holy. We're not very good people. And he shows gentleness. He shows kindness and saying, I won't annihilate you. Matter of fact, I'll save you. It's like, wow, that's power under control. This same word is often used in Scripture and also in relating to one another. Not that we just saw how God relates to us using that gentleness. Now, how do we relate to each other using that same gentleness word found in the Bible? It is often used being, I'm going to adapt myself to you. I'm going to, if I'm in a position of power, I will adapt who I am in my position to accommodate you. Give you an example. As a father, if I'm driving in the car and I'm hungry and it's time to eat, I'm the dad. I'm behind the wheel. Who's got the power? I do, right? So, quite frankly, I can go wherever I want because I have every right as the dad to choose where we're going to eat. But in that moment, I'm going to say, where do you guys want to eat? Let's go there. What I just did, I just showed gentleness, kindness, humility, power under control. I have every right to say, I do not want to go to McDonald's for the 20th time. I want to go to Chipotle or something like that, okay? You pick. I don't care if we only had one in Wauseon. Anyway, I have that power, but I am relinquishing it. I'm letting it go, right? That's another way this word is used in how we uh, work with one another. But that is so hard, isn't it? I mean, it comes down to this whole thing of humility, gentleness, kindness. It is so hard because our flesh cries out and says, No, I want it my way. This is who I am. If you don't like it, you can go. That's hard because, you know, again, the flesh is crying out. And besides that, gentleness, it just sounds so, I don't know, weak. It is so soft. Um, sounds that way. But really, as I shared with the story of Joe Lewis, it's power under self-control. It's using your abilities and power for the good of others, not for myself. A lot of theologians describe it, as I said, was, was humility. And, and when the Holy Spirit is producing this in you, you are walking in the Spirit saying, I wonder how I can help that person. 
I know I've got an agenda. I've got time and stuff that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm going to give up some of my stuff here because I, I wonder how I can help that person over there. Now, let's be uh, certain about this and understand what it is and is not. Because some people then think, well, then I'm going to be a doormat to others, right? This word gentleness is not being a doormat to others where they walk all over you. This kindness, this gentleness is not putting yourself into an abusive situation where somebody is going to continue to abuse you for who you are. It is not thinking of yourself as a lesser person. I'm going to think less of myself, but I'm not going to be thinking of myself as a lesser person compared to you. Is that clear? We need to know what gentleness is and what gentleness is not. With that being said, you've heard the biblical definition. You've heard some examples used. Are we, are we clear on this church? Does that make sense? This is what gentleness is? Yes? All right, good. I'm not going to do the Brian thing. You know, Brian, he'd be over here by now and say, yes, I want to see some head nods. Yes. Brian and I have two different styles of preaching. You guys all know that. So thankful for him. Uh, it's like turning the channel every now and then. It's like, well, how would he do it? How would that? Anyway, we're both bringing you God's word. But anyway, we're all good on what this is. Gentleness, kindness. Yes. Awesome. Okay, good. Because it's not hard though to apply it. It's just, I mean, it's not easy to apply. It's hard, isn't it? I might understand what gentleness and kindness is and power under control, but to apply it, that's a little bit more difficult. Because the devil loves to tempt us with it. This is like the, our enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil. This is like one of his favorite things because he is a self-promoter. He is all about pride. It's all about him. Why would I want to give up my way for you? It's about me. And the enemy loves us to sort of go that direction. So it's a challenge. And a lot of it is, you know, let's go back to one of our basic needs as human beings. We want to be loved. We, we want to be loved. We all want to be loved. And so how do I find love in today's world? Well, first of all, if you don't understand biblical love, a foundational love, the love of God, here's what's going to happen. You're going to search for love over here in the world from other people, from other things. And when you start searching in the wrong place, what happens is we are starting, we start to crave to be recognized. We, we walk into a room, I want to be loved. Nobody's going to love me unless they see me. So I need to be seen, I need to be recognized, so I need some attention drawn to me so that you will see me and then you will recognize me and now you'll love me, right? Sometimes that's the way things work. According to this world standards, if you're recognized, you'll be loved. I want to give you some examples. And, and when I give you these examples, um, roll with me on this here. Because some of you are like, oh no, that's me. And you start to panic. Like, I am a, I'm a very selfish person. I'm a very powerful person. We're doing a self-evaluation here. It's sort of like when you're at home and you're like, I've <clears throat> got a little scratchy throat. And a I, wonder, I wonder if I've got this disease. Well, I've got a couple of symptoms, but it may not mean you actually have the disease, okay? If I, if I share with this next example, it's like, that's me. Well, that might be you then. And maybe you need to deal with it with God, or maybe it's just like a, a little warning, like, ooh, you be could be going down the wrong path. So just don't panic. But here's, here's one of the first things that came to my mind when I was thinking about this, about this, I want to be recognized, I want to be loved. It's, it's called the self-promotion. It's... it's, it's pulling out my phone and taking selfies of myself 24-7, okay? And then posting all about me all the time. Okay, 
that happens. This seems like this would be very generational right now. It's very normalized. A lot of people do that. So it's like, it's sort of what we do, right? Okay. But here's the thing. We've also been encouraged to do that. Why is that? We've been told that you've got to self-promote yourself. You've got to put yourself out. If you want a promotion at work, you've got to put yourself out there as somebody who's deserving of that promotion. If you want to have a certain group of friends, you've got to promote yourself that you're worthy enough to be a part of this group of friends. If, if you want a scholarship or you want this, it's like, well, I've got to come up and start making all these videos of myself and putting myself out there because I want people to see me so I'll be recognized, so I'll be promoted, so I'll be loved, right? Now, to me, that all makes sense. And here's the thing. Can it become harmful? Yeah, it actually, it actually can. Is there anything wrong with wanting to be recognized? No. It's okay to want to be recognized. That's all right. But when it, that becomes your sole purpose, your motive in life, this is what it's all about, that's when it gets dangerous. Because here's why. You are now putting yourself into a position to say, I'm not loved unless I've been recognized. What happens when you don't get your likes? What happens when you don't get the pat on the back? What happens when you don't get your applause? All of a sudden, you don't feel like you're loved anymore. So now you know what you got to do? You got to get out there and work a little bit harder at self-promoting yourself. You better post some more pictures of yourself. You better put this more out here about yourself and this because you better build your likes up. And all of a sudden, you are chasing this big circle of, I've got to keep, I've got to keep, I've got to keep. And now what you know you got going with besides the pride? You got a little anxiety hopping on the train with you. They like to go together. You see how that can become dangerous? Gentleness. Humility says, it's not about me. It's not. Um, And I'm I'm going to just take a step back and say, I want to be loved by God. I I would love to be loved by everybody around here, okay? But that's my, my sole motivation in life. I want to be recognized by God. It's okay to be recognized by everybody else. But which one are you chasing after? Gentleness says, I want to be loved and known by God. Gentleness says, I don't have to have the world know everything about me and love me. and if, I, I don't have to get my self-worth from what somebody else thinks about me. So what does this look like to have this produced in our life through God's Spirit? Let's look at this. I'll throw some, up on the, uh, some, some phrases up on the screen, maybe help define this. Here's the first thing about gentleness and humility. I'm going to use that phrase back and forth, by the way, from here out. First one, it's like all the other fruits of the Spirit. It's a reflection of God. Remember Jesus said, he goes, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Or I'm sorry, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father, vice versa, right? It's really simple. You will see God, you'll see Jesus. You see Jesus, you'll see God. When we look at the life that Jesus lived, we see God reflected in him. We see then when Jesus being humble and showing gentleness, we are seeing the very attribute, the very nature of God, which is in his spirit in us, right? We learn this first in well, multiple places, but one of my favorite is in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to be putting up different, um, different scriptures at different times. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 says this. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, talking about Jesus Christ. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. You know, as we were singing that song, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, you know, Jesus is present there. 
He left that to come here. A divine privilege is like, I'm coming to earth. It says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on the cross. See, when Jesus came to earth, he denied his own comfort. He denied his, his own uh, privileges that he had in heaven, and he adapted in the flesh to what we all experience today. That's power under control. From start to finish, the king of kings comes and hangs with us. That's power under control. It, from stable to cross, it was always about humility and gentleness with Jesus. I mean, born in a stable, he had no fanfare, no parade, no party, no gender reveal party, no baby shower, no social post. I mean, nothing. He deserved it all, and he got nothing on that day, right? And then fast forward all the way through life to the cross. Here's the king of kings, and he's treated like a criminal, exposed up on a cross, beaten and bleeding. He could have had angels come down and rescued him at any time. Thousands of angels just could have poured out and come down and rescued at any point in time. But gentleness, powerness under control says, but I came to seek and save those who are lost. And he stayed on the cross. Humility is a supernatural work of God. It's, it's a gift from God infused through his spirit. It's not something you earn like, I, am, I just completed level seven. I get a badge. You know, and it's like, awesome, right? Or like I put on the screen a couple pictures here, whether it's Chronicles of Narnia or whether Lord of the Rings, like in those movies, it's like they received a gift. It was like, a, it's like wow, this is special. I've received something from somebody that was of higher authority than me, and I can use this gift for the good. The gift that God, it's not like that. The gift that God gives us, his spirit, is in us transforming us. Not a one-time use, like, I used my light. Okay, that's done. Now what? What the Spirit gives us is infusing us, transforming us through and through. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans, chapter 12, first section of that Bible, Paul's basically saying, this is what it means to have faith. This is what faith is all about. And then we get to chapter 12. It's like, now here's how you're going to live it out. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn how God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul says, we've got an incredible God here. The bodies that he has given you, now you need to use it, but here's, here's the way it works. Don't go out and copy the way the things in the world are going, okay? Instead, let God begin in your life by this, transforming the way you think. I will tell us that you'll hear this in leadership class 101. Athletes that I work with always say, it starts here. What happens out here is a result of what's going on up here. Whatever you are thinking is usually the way you are going to act upon. God says, let your mind be transformed by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When your mind is renewed, 
when the Holy Spirit is working in here, it changes the way you live. With that being said, the very next thing that Paul says, look what he says in verse 3. He says this, because of the privilege and the authority that God's given me to tell you all this, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. It's like, okay, so the Spirit's going to work through me. He's going to transform your, your mind, and then you can go live. Oh, by the way, here's the first step in living. Don't think you're better than everybody else. Take a nice dose of the Holy Spirit and have some gentleness, some humility in your life. We're called to love God. Here's the thing. We're called to love God. And we're called to love one another. But I cannot love you if it's all about me. If I'm thinking I'm so much better than all of you, I'm not going to love you the way God wants me to love you. So I got to make sure that that is taken care of. I cannot think too highly of myself or that I'm better than everybody else. Yes, I need to have an honest evaluation of myself. But I need some gentleness in me, some humility in me, so that I can love God and I can love others as commanded. Pastor Ray Stedman, he's a pastor uh, many, many years ago back out in California, and I found something in, in reading about him that sort of speaks to this. And I want to share what he said. Um, I'll put the three points up on the screen, and you can follow those three points. But here's what he said about each point. First, he goes, I'm made in the image of God. He said this, I am not an animal. I do not behave like an animal. I have an ability within me given to me by God himself to respond and to relate to God. Therefore, as a man, I'm not a beast. Second, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. The most amazing thing has happened, though I don't deserve it to the least degree. I have the power of God at work within me. I have become, in some sense, the bearer of God. And God himself is willing to be at work in me through the problems and pressures I go through this day. And here's the third thing he went on to say. I'm a part of the plan of God. God is working on all things to a great and final purpose on the earth, and I'm part of it. What I do today has purpose and significance and meaning. This is not a meaningless day that I'm going through. Even the smallest incident, the most apparently insignificant word or relationship is involved in God's great plan. Therefore, all has meaning and purpose. So you hear what he's saying? This is confidence without conceit is what he was saying. I'm made by God. Think about this. You have been created, made by the God of this universe. You are made in his image. You bear the image of God. Isn't that awesome? That's scary too, right? Then he goes on to say this. Well, I'm filled with the spirit of God. Not only do I bear the image of God, I have the spirit of God in me. And I have meaning and purpose. For that, I could, if I wanted to, I could throw on my chest and puff up and say, I, I bear the image of God with God's spirit in me and I've got incredible purpose. I'm better than you. No, stop right there. We were doing good on those first three points, but that I'm better than you, we've got to stop right there and throw that one out. Yes, you are created in the image of God. You bear his image. You have his spirit. You have meaning and purpose. For that, you should have incredible spiritual confidence, but no conceit. No conceit. Because I think as Christians, sometimes we forget those three main things. 
And we walk around a lot of times in defeat. You should be walking in victory right now. I should be walking in victory right now. But walking in victory without the puffing up of the chest and the patting on the back and saying, I'm better than you. No, these are just, this is awesome. This is great. I have incredible confidence, spiritual confidence without all the conceit. When we think of ourselves, it should be that way. Humility is a spiritual part of the transforming work of God that's going in us right now. Here's the third thing about humility. It is taught by Jesus. Um, and it's to be put into practice on a daily basis. Think about this. How can I serve others better than what I'm doing right now? How can I do that? Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is walking with his disciples. There's other people besides disciples. As a matter of fact, James and John... Their mom is walking along too. Okay, so this right away throws me into the uh, sporting arena with parents. Been there, done that, okay? And the mama bear is out there, okay? So James and John are walking to Jesus, and the mother of James and John comes up to Jesus like, Hey, uh, I don't know if you ever considered my boys, James and John, they're pretty special, they're pretty talented. They should be on your left and on your right. Uh, in other words, mama bear is saying, I think my kid should be starting, Right? It sort of sounds like it happened back then, too. We think it happened, said it happened back then, too. And Jesus like, what? You think your kids should be starters on the team, huh? Okay. Hey, what do you guys think? About, you know, all the disciples, they have this conference. They're getting mad. They're getting mad. So instead of stirring the pot, which Jesus could have done, Jesus settles them all down. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, and says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over the people. And officials flaunt their authority over those that are under them. He says, you know how it works today. If you're in charge, you, th- you flaunt your authority over everybody. I'm in charge. Okay? Look at verse 26. But among you, Christians, disciples, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. Verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And his give his life as a ransom for many. Hey, I know you want your boys to be on the left and right. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not how my kingdom rolls. You want to be great? Learn to serve. Even I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve others. He had to, a few chapters later, remind this. Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 12, Jesus said, The greatest among you must be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In, in her book, Peggy Noonan shares a story about President Ronald Reagan when he was in the White House. This was uh, soon after, just a few days after President Ronald Reagan was shot, if you all remember that. He was well enough to get out of bed. He wasn't feeling so well, so he went into the bathroom that was connected to his room. And he got into the bathroom and he splashed some water on his face. But in the process, water slopped out of the sink and onto the floor. And the president of the United States got a towel, got down on his hands and knees on the towel and started wiping up the mess. As he was doing that, an aide comes into the room and sees President Reagan on his knees in the bathroom wiping up his mess. And the aide immediately said, Mr. President, Mr. President, why don't you let your nurse clean that up? And he said, oh, oh no, I made the mess. I'd hate for a nurse to have to clean up what I did. That is gentleness. That is humility. That is power under control. 
He could have very well said, you're right. Matter of fact, I'm the president. I'm not going to wait for the nurse. You come over here and clean this up. And that aide would have because the president is a powerful position, right? We have the opportunity to display the humility of Jesus on a daily basis. Um, I, there's, there's two things. I have no idea why these two examples popped into my mind as I was writing a sermon. But two things that come to my mind. Restaurants and hotels. When I travel and stay in a hotel room, um, sometimes the way I leave my room, you would think that nobody slept in there. I mean, not to the point where I'm making my bed and tucking in the sheets or anything, but it's almost like you walk in. It's, it's my, I guess in the back of my mind is, I, when the maid comes in to clean, I want to bless that maid with the opportunity to have to do as little work as they have to do that day and make it easy on them. Restaurants, same way. I don't know why. We get done at a table, and you might see us start stacking our plates and grabbing napkins and, and wrappers and start potting them into one spot. Just sort of make it easier for the for the busboy uh, to come and clean up. Why is it? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my opportunity to serve, to bless them, to be an example. I don't, I, those are just two examples that came to my mind. Are there other places I can improve on? Absolutely. Okay. But those are two simple areas in which maybe humility, that gentleness, that power under control says, hey, you know what? I'm a person of faith. And how can I help you today? Another verse in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 is right before the other ones we read, says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves, don't look don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. A couple more things real quick about humility. It is choosing to keep learning. That's what humility is. Humility says, I think I have all the answers, therefore I don't need anybody to help. Last week after, uh, after the sermon, uh, Trace Newcomb came up to me and had some questions, and we had a conversation after church, and, and it was like he was asking me some questions that were really good, got me thinking, and, and I, I felt like I'd answered them correctly, but you know what I did when I went home? That later that day, I was looking up more. Because I, I want to keep learning. I want to make sure that I answered him correctly and that also caused me to want to learn more. Because here's the thing, I don't know it all. Humility is admitting that and saying, I want to keep learning. That's what humility is. Humility is also choosing good company. I love the scripture that tells us, you know, not, not to think you're so important that you can't hang out with other people, right? Because a lot of times we think, i got to hang out with only people who have great importance. Hey, by the way, i got to let you know who I hung out with. Because that makes me what? Feel really important because I'm pretty special because I know so-and-so or I hung out with so-and-so. or Humility is choosing to hang out with just your ordinary jail, right? Last one, humility is choosing to stop taking yourself so seriously, to, to learn to laugh at yourself. Because sometimes we're so proud, we get so mad, we make a mistake. It's like, you know, it's like, learn, learn to laugh at yourself. Um, you know, I get my words mixed up often, and some of you know that. I'll, I'll be preaching, I'll say something, and I, I, I think I did it earlier in the sermon today, uh, where I said about if you've seen Jesus, or if you've seen the Father, you've seen Jesus. Like, oh, no, it's if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. I, I'll mix things up sometimes, right? Oh, and I also have a, I have a couple pairs of jeans. You know when you find a pair of jeans that are so comfortable, you just got to wear them all the time? It's like, I'm not giving these jeans up. But see, the problem is my two pairs of jeans that I've had for like, I don't know, eight, ten years, they're just so comfortable, I don't want to give them up. The problem is there's something wrong with the zippers, and I don't know what it is. But if I stretch a certain way, I don't know. It's like, not that I walk around posing, but if there's a chair that I do one of these, okay? It's like, 
I don't know, something activates the zipper and he's like, hey, I'm going to go down for now. Um, and then I get in front of a lot of people and I'm talking and then I leave the room and I'm going, are you kidding me? Oh, that is so embarrassing. And it's like, well, praise God that for Christmas I got new jeans. So I finally tossed away those old jeans, but it's so hard to get rid of them. They're so comfortable. But here's the thing. I've had to learn to laugh at myself so often, right? Because I know I'm going to mess up. Dr. David Jeremiah told a story one time about how he went into this bookstore. He had been traveling down south, went into this bookstore, Christian bookstore, and there's nobody in there. And he looks around, and there's the lady behind the counter, and she's a young girl. And she comes out, and she just smiles and looks at him, and he's like, looks at her. And, and, and then she's like, comes up, and it's like, excuse me, excuse me, but are you who you think you are? I, I can't say that right. Are you who I think you are? And he's like, before he can answer, he goes, Stay right here. Stay right here. I'll be right back. And she ran off to the back of the bookstore, brought out her friend a big stack of books. And she, she comes up to Dr. David Jeremiah and she goes, would you autograph all these books for us? And he's like, sure. And he looks down and they're all written by Josh McDowell. <laughs> so Dr. David Jeremiah is like, sure. And he autographed Josh McDowell on all those books. But he walked out of that store again with showing what? Humility. He could have said, he could have said, young lady, I am Dr. David Jeremiah, famous pastor, incredible author. I am not Josh McDowell. Yeah. Instead, gentleness, kindness, he's like, I'd love to sign his name. Yeah. And he went on with that. Humility. It is so challenging, isn't it? There's a scripture that came across my quiet time a couple weeks ago. But here it is. It jumped out at me again. In the book of Micah, he says, He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. 